welcome to this King's Church talk. We hope that you really enjoy it. If you have any questions, please email us on admin at kingscc.org or you can go to the website www.kingscc.org. Thank you. A little way through a series at the moment called Real Life. Uh, we're kind of taking Jesus' words when Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and you may have abundant life, real life. You know, the devil comes to steal, uh, to destroy, to take away. But actually Jesus gives, gives real life. And, uh, and under that banner, under that heading, we're looking at all sorts of uh, topics, real life topics. And we've looked at sex, we've looked at depression, we've looked at work, uh, we've looked at being single, and, uh, and today we're going to look at death. And I'm just uh, aware very much as we look at the subject of death that it, 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 it's obviously such a, an emotional subject. It can be a very difficult subject. It may be for some of you that you're right in the middle of, of, of just processing some very deep grief, real sadness, uh, it might be it's the last thing from your mind on a sunny summer July morning. And if you're visiting, you might be thinking, well, if I knew it was going to be about that, I wouldn't have come. Okay? And uh, it, there could be a whole range of people in all sorts of situations. And because of that, I just want to pray, and then we're going to jump in. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the one who silenced the boast of the grave. You dealt with sin. You died. You rose again. And thank you as we've worshipped you this morning. We worship the living one. And Lord, we just do come to you now and really ask for the work of your Holy Spirit to help each one of us to hear what we need to hear this morning. Lord, only you can do that. I pray, would you come and just so, so help every single one of us. Lord, that you will be glorified, that truth and hope will really win something big in all of our hearts and that you would release us into all that you call us to be and to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm very aware this is a, a tip of the iceberg preach that really uh, on any one of these subjects as you begin to study, as you begin to open it up, there's a wealth of material. There's, a, there's so much to be said. And, and so please bear with me this morning. It's going to be literally the tip of the iceberg. And, uh, but what I want to do, really, is just paint some very broad brush strokes. Okay? And there'll be all sorts of detail that won't be here, won't be part of the preach. But as with any one of these subjects we're doing, please come and speak to us as well. If it triggers something, if it 
kind of causes some response in you that you think, I just would like to talk that through. Please, we're here to serve you on the back of these, uh, on the back of these subject preachers. And as I said, really, at the beginning, just so aware that for some of you, you'll be actually really facing some of the realities of what death means in a very personal and in a very upfront way. And that's why we pray for grace as we look at truth together. We're going to touch on a number of scriptures. There's nothing better to do than when you look at death than to open your Bible. Okay? It's one of those areas where we need the Bible to, as it were, to, to, to power wash us in terms of our thinking, in terms of our hearts, our minds, everything we think, because if we don't, it's so easy to find that we drift up some sort of muddied creek somewhere. And we kind of end up with just all sorts of wrong thinking. And so we just need to let the Bible, as it were, do a real jet wash. Uh, there was a time, in fact, I was actually checking my notes. There's a ch- time, it was 33 years ago, almost to the month, when a, a dear friend of ours, her name is Liz, and she uh, suffered from cancer, and it was very serious, and good friend, part of the church that we were part of then back down in Kent. And I guess for me as a young leader then, because I was young then, that actually it was, it, it, it kind of tipped me into that world of someone struggling with very real Life, threatening, sickness, infirmity, disease. And we prayed, we fasted, and we were praying for God to heal her. But then, really, there wasn't much change. She knew the presence of God. And I remember seeing her literally days before she died. And just being with the family, being with the husband, being with the boys... Uh, and just sensing that deep, deep weight of grief and sadness. And knowing she's going to be with Jesus. But also just seeing a life snatched in her early 40s, so young. And I can remember walking out of that hospital. And I was walking down near where we lived then, in Bromley. Bromley High Street. And I actually remember the shop. I was walking by the old Army and Navy shop. Bromley High Street. I was walking down there with a real heaviness, just all sorts of thoughts going through my mind. And that verse jumped into my mind. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. And it's almost like an encounter with that verse. And that phrase, to die is gain, it was like it was etched on my heart. And obviously for her husband, her boys, she died a few days later, it was going to be terrific loss. That's the grief of loss. But for her, as a believer, it was gain. No question. And it just did something to me. But a few weeks later, her funeral spoke on that. To die is gain. It comes from Philippians chapter 1. I'm just going to read it to you, and, um, and then we're going to just kind of 
jump a bit more deeply in. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, uh, 20, no, verse 19, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, no, don't worry, actually, the scriptures, I'll just read it, it's a short bit, okay. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have suffered courage, but will have, suffered, will, will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this means fruitful labour for me. But what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. It's a remarkable section there where Paul was facing the reality, one of the times he's facing the reality of his own death, and he comes to this conclusion. Now, he believes actually he's going to live longer at that point, which he did, but actually to die, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Elsewhere, Paul writes about it in this way, it's the mortal being swallowed up by life. What a powerful image. Is the mortal being swallowed up by life. You know, again, I'm old enough, and there's going to be age, or age-related things here. Do you remember Pac-Man? Do you remember that high-tech, high-tech kind of computer game? You know, that was the cutting edge of everything. Now, what happens at death is that the mortal is swallowed up by life. It is not shuffling off this mortal coil, in the words of Hamlet. Death. We're going to look at just under three simple sections. The reality, the good news, and our response. First of all, the reality. Okay? And we, we can spend our lives trying to avoid the reality, and it's for obvious reasons. Because of the pain. Because of the suffering. Because of the grief that is so rightfully part of it. Because of fear. There can be so much fear. We live in a time and an age and a society that wants to insulate itself from death. So I can remember as a child, I was never taken to a funeral. And I remember it wasn't into my way into my adult years was the first time I saw a dead body. That is very different to different ages and to different societies today. We insulate ourselves from the reality of death. We want to delay death. We 
seek to control death. We actually, we're very grateful that death is dealt with by caring professionals who we honour and value, and that's right. But somehow it, it contains death. We can have very muddled views on it. Society, folk religion, philosophy, celebrities, they have some of the loudest voices these days on death. We can often hear a sermon on death at funerals, but those times are times that are so full of grief and sadness and obviously hope if the person's a believer, but the emotions are so high at those times, sometimes they aren't the best settings for really doing this, laying a foundation of truth about death. If I was to do, do, do a straw poll, and don't have to do it now, but how many Sunday morning services have you heard about death? Put your hands up. I don't think there'd be many. And yet it's vital we talk about it. And yet it's painful to look at it. Well, here's some just biblical realities. We are all destined to die. Okay? And Hebrews says this, a scripture which will come up, just as people are destined to die once, Okay, I can pause there. Just as people are destined to die once, we will all die. The moment we're born, death is inevitable unless Jesus comes again in our lifetime. Death made entrance in the Garden of Eden and it will be here until it makes its exit in the new creation. Death is the result of man's woman, a man and woman's disobedience. We brought it on ourselves. Another scripture, let's read you, says this. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death came to all people because all have sinned. Painful and harsh it may sound, but we deserve death. Death is not the end. And that's where you pick up this verse again. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Death and judgment belong together. And that's where celebrities won't give us this type of message. They will paint a very different image of death. Something happens after death. It's not the end of our existence. Judgment. And then our lives are fleeting. Okay? The Bible says this, show me my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is of nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath. Okay, if you read the message on that one, that Psalm 39, it says that life is just a puff of air. Okay, or it's shadows in the, camp, in the campfire. Or it's a spit in the wind. All message version. In other words, life is like that. 
And then last thing here is death is an enemy. That's how the Bible speaks about death. It is an enemy to be destroyed. And there's something about death. It robs, it steals, it takes, it, it, it takes something from us. And even if, you know, and some of you have lived through the realities of this, seeing a dear loved one, you know, that, 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 that suffers, suffered. So when their point of death comes, it's a point of release and relief, which is right and good. Nevertheless, that whole process is something taken. It's like an enemy. Death takes captive. It appears to win. That's the reality. But then we get to the good news. Good. I'm glad no one left at this point. Okay. The good news. And boy, is it good news. Okay, the headline of the good news is this. Jesus has overcome death. He's done it. Let's face the reality. Face on. In, and then let's get very excited about what Jesus has done. You know, when... Mary and Martha, sisters to Lazarus who just died, when they call for Jesus, come, 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 we need you, our brother's sick. And Jesus came kind of not enough, in enough time, as it were, to heal him. He was died. Martha said to him, but Jesus, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha, Martha answered, yeah, I know. He will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. That was their general belief. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Boy. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And then if we just flick through the page of our Bible in the New Testament, we get to the last book, Revelation. We open up chapter one and John has this amazing revelation of Jesus. And if we haven't got the time to read it all, but the end bit of this is, is this. It's Jesus in glory. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and now look. Okay. Powerful word, look. Look. Now, look. I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Totally triumphant. Jesus died a real death to overcome death. His death was the punishment for our sins. So we deserve death, but he died in our place. What we deserve, he took. He died for us. So yes, face the reality, we deserve death. But Jesus died our death. And in that, he took away our sin. He swiped our slate. He wiped our slate clean. 
He cancelled everything that stood against us. And so in his death, our death was dealt with. It's vital to see this. And so when Jesus is actually dying on the cross, one of the criminals, true criminals next to him, strikes up a conversation. Well, I guess it wasn't quite striking up a conversation. In the desperate moments of that, last, of that criminal's end of life, he says, Jesus, remember me. Remember me. When you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered, and just let's hear this. Truly, I tell you. Today, today, you will be with me in paradise. What a remarkable criminal to saint, criminal cross to paradise because of Jesus' death on the cross. He turned to Christ, sin is forgiven, and death becomes. His death, his death became a gateway to paradise in Christ. And that's what Paul was expressing in those earlier verses that we read. That for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Why? Because I desire to depart and be with Christ that is better by far. Okay, that'd be Paul stretching out that understanding of paradise It's being with Christ, which is better by far. Billy Graham died last year, one of the world's greatest evangelists this planet's ever seen. He died last year, and and he was famous for that quote, which he said years before. And I won't attempt an American accent, okay? Someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? I shall be more alive than I am now. I will have just changed my address. I've gone into the presence of God. Paradise. Better by far. To die is gain. We've got to let that sink deep, deep. It was something that began to dawn in my heart walking along Bromley High Street those 33 years ago. Today's gain. Yeah, we loved that family. We cared for that family. They had to walk through the realities of grief. For them, it was loss. But for the believer, it's gain. He died. He rose. He's alive. Do you know the early church exploded? This truth, Jesus is alive, it actually exploded in their hearts. It was, they could not stop saying it. I mean, it's why we meet Sunday mornings. Why do we meet Sunday mornings? Oh, we can get to school then. Do you know why we meet Sunday mornings? It's the first day of the week. Everything changed from the resurrection morning. 
Jesus is alive. It's not just an Easter message. It's that every first day of the week message. Jesus is alive. He is risen. That's kind of exciting. <laughs> he's alive. Yeah. Okay, he's alive. And it's not just a, 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 a... Let's get this. We are a resurrection. We've been born into the resurrection. We are a resurrection people. That's the church. They were pumping with that message. It's alive. And this aliveness, this resurrection in Jesus, it, Jesus rose with a body. It was a bodily resurrection. Which had similarities to the body before, but there were some new things about this body as well. He could go through walls. And yet it was a real body. He could eat. He could touch. He said, Thomas, touch, touch, touch. Bodily resurrection. That's our hope. Our hope is the body is a bodily resurrection. That's amazing, isn't it? This is our hope. This is where we've got a... This is one of the mudded... You know, I said earlier that the world takes us down some muddy creeks on this one. We've got to see, you know, it's not about immortality of the soul. That's a Greek idea. A number of times in this series, we've, we've referenced Plato. He's had a bit of bad press, really. You know? They talk about a secular spiritual divide. We touch it there in terms of work. Well, here's another one. You know, Plato taught that basically the body is, is, is evil. We need to be released from this. And we need to somehow, our soul needs to just fly free. Immortality of the soul. It's wrong. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. We wait for bodily resurrection. Remarkable. Jesus was the first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that super, super clearly. It's our hope. We live in a hope of the resurrection of the body. Another, I'm aware, I'm just putting so many scriptures out today, but hear what I said at the beginning. If you hear nothing else, just hear the scriptures. If you want to know the references, then I can make those available later. But Paul writes in 2 Corinthians uh, 5, we, we, we know that this earthly tent we live in, that, that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, this body is destroyed, we have a building from God. An eternal house in heaven, not built by humans' hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. What a hope we have. Bodily resurrection. Just a little sidebar here. So when does all this happen? <laughs> it's interesting. Did someone asked me, Maggie, are you happy to meet her? Yeah. yeah. I had a very precious coffee time with Maggie, who lost dear Di, her husband, last summer. 
and she just said, where do you think Di is? I mean, I know he's in heaven, but, you know, what do you think happens next? And it's a big question, isn't it? And I think, by and large, I think there's kind of two viewpoints on that. There's a viewpoint which would say, when you die, it's almost like everything in time collapses and you arrive at the finished state. There are some theologians who would say that. I think there are others, and this would be my personal belief, just being clear, and it would be based on some of the scriptures I've shared, is that I think when we, when we die, we go to be with the Lord. It's better by far. We go to be with him. We're, it is paradise. But there's still something yet to happen. Which is the new heavens and the new earth. The return of Jesus. The new heaven and the new earth. And that will be a time when we have the fullness of eternity. Bodily. Resurrection. Our new bodies. Now, we can talk that through in another setting. I think either way, our hope is in Jesus. That's the big thing. And we go to be with him. So don't get stuck on the, on the different opinions. But it's a remarkable thing. Tom Wright, and if you want a book to help you a little bit, it's not an easy, it's not a light read, but it's a good read. Uh, Surprised by hope. Tom Wright has coined the, the phrase, which I, I think expressed it, and Maggie and I talked about it, is this, that there is life after, life after death. I think phenomenal. There's life after, life after death. It's better by far the moment you stop breathing on, on planet Earth. But it's going to get even better. What I hope. Everything will be made new. Everything will be made new. It will be new heaven, new earth. The, uh, we often, people often quote from Narnia, the books of Narnia, and, uh, but we don't often quote from the last battle, a lot of which speaks about new heaven and new earth. Just hear some of the quotes from, was it Peter, Susan, Lucy, and... There you go. Okay, listen to this. Lucy, I've come home at last. This is my real country. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we love the old Narnia is that it sometimes looked a little like this. Isn't it wonderful? said Lucy. Have you noticed one can't feel afraid, even if someone wants to? Try it. And elsewhere, someone, uh, one of the children says this, the term is over, the holidays have begun, the dream is ended, this is the morning. Do you remember that moment as children, school holidays, first day of school holidays, Cheryl and I were just reflecting on it, you know, but I can still remember as a 10-year-old, that first day of school holidays, it was stretched ahead of you. 
new heaven, new earth. <laughs> That's not what my parents thought. Everything would be made new. There will be no more tears, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pains. It's good to think about the no mores. The old order has passed away. It's gone. New heaven, new earth. Bodily resurrection. Does it get better? Well, actually it does. Because we're also invited to eat. We're invited to sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because as wonderful as that new heaven and new earth is, and we might sort of think, oh, I can play golf without getting tired. I can run without getting tired. I can swim. I can do, you know, in your dreams, you can do all of that. Please hear this. All of that will be secondary to being part of the bride who's been glorified, made beautiful, clothed in perfect garments, sitting down for the marriage, with the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's about a wedding. We love a royal wedding, don't we? This is the royal wedding. The marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm going to just pause now (laughs) and ask Lorna to come up. And many of you know Lorna. She's a dear, dear friend. She's going to introduce herself just in a moment. And for those who don't know Lorna, she's a dear, dear friend. (laughs) And I think you need to take it from there. Thank you. Okay, um... For those who don't know me, um, this is not my whole story, but it's the relevant bits for now. Um, when I w- in, in 2005, I was pregnant. We were expecting our daughter, who we called Grace, um, and we lost her just before Christmas. Um, 2014, one of my grands took ill, died in, I think it was April. The other one about six months, or six weeks later, and then six weeks after that, I lost my mum. So that was quite a tough three months. Um, and all the stuff that came after that. And then we lost my husband, Andrew, September last year. So I've thought quite a lot about death and grief and so on over the years. Um, in some of these cases, it feels like the natural order of things. You expect to lose your grandparents. They were in their 90s. They both said they were ready to go. Um, My mum had been ill for quite some time. You can kind of get your head around that. But with Grace and with Andrew, it does feel tragically soon. And you just have to get your head around it somehow, and you can't. I can't pretend I understand why things happen the way they do. I'd go mad if I tried, if I'm honest. We're not designed to understand everything. We're designed to trust God. Um, But there are some things that I found helpful. Our understanding of death depends on our understanding of what comes after. And actually that's true of life. Everything that we go through day to day 
is seen in the, the eternal viewpoint. We can't understand heaven, though. Um, I've really enjoyed listening to what you said. There's so much there. Again, it's beyond our ability. We don't actually know. We can have some glimpses, but we don't know what's going to come. Um, I'm going to read the verse again about from Revelations, where at the end, John hears a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. We know that everyone in heaven is happy, (laughs) and we know that that's what we can look forward to. We were designed to worship God. That's what heaven's about, and when we do that now, we're joining with heaven in singing God's praise. We're together. We've got that one perfect focus for our attention, which is the God that made us. And that's what we're here for. That's what we're there for. Jesus said there's no marriage in heaven. So I don't know what my relationship with Andrew will be like, or with our daughter, or with my mom or my grands. I'm guessing I'll know them, but I don't know. The Bible is clear, though, that there's no sadness, there's no sickness, there's no suffering. So however it is, I'll be happy. I know that God's going to make it right. We won't be limited by how we were when we died. Grace, for all that she never actually breathed on the the earth, she's a fully formed person. My grands are youthful again. Hmm. My mum no longer has MS or cancer. We'll all be able to run without tiring. Andrew's crutch is long gone. His knee will be fine. We'll know joy beyond anything. So that means I can't feel sorry for those that have died. Any pain from their lives is gone. They're now okay. They're happy. But that doesn't take away our pain and the pain of the loss for those that have left behind. We carry that for the rest of our lives. We can't get past it. We can't get over it. But we learn to live with it. It's there. We find a way through. I can tell you from experience that hiding from the pain doesn't actually help. (laughs) It doesn't make it easier. That's the way to terrible mental health, among other things. Um, We've got to be honest with ourselves. We have to accept the reality and deal with it, face up to it. That doesn't mean being miserable all the time. It doesn't mean that we are always going to be sad. But it does mean that we give it to God and that we allow him to take us through. That we trust him to use what we give back to him. I just want to take a, a couple of minutes to finish now with the implications of <clears throat> what we looked at. And then we're going to worship again. Uh, I'm going to read some scriptures and we're going to worship. But just the implications. The first one is this face the reality. I don't know where you're at this morning. If you don't know Jesus, if you're not a believer in Jesus, 
then there's nothing more important in your life than to face the reality of both your own death and judgment and how Jesus and Jesus alone is the answer to that. If you're a believer, let's still face the reality. That's where we find hope. Secondly, let's comfort those who mourn. Let's weep with those who weep. You know, with the deaths we've known here in our family as a church, you've been so, so, so very good. We continue to do that. Let's weep with those who weep. Let's comfort those who mourn. Let's face our own grief. It's so helpful just to hear what Lorna has expressed that. Let's find God's grace in our darkest valleys. Thirdly, let's be convinced. Jesus is the answer. Here's the key holder. Be convinced. And let's let hope, get a good foundation of hope in our lives. So I've been quite deliberate in not you know, I, I hope you've, that it's been a bit of a, a barrage of scriptures this morning. But that's the jet wash. Get into what God says about this. It's our hope. Fourthly, let's be ambassadors of this message. Okay, we are exiles in a foreign land. We're just passing through. But we have a message. We are citizens of heaven with a message from heaven that people need to know. Let's do it. Let's live it. Let's say it when we can say it. Let's be it. Let's live it. Let's live differently. Let's live as citizens of heaven. Let our future shape our presence. Let eternity shape how we live. Let's run the race. Let's fight the fight. Another time when Paul talked about his impossible imminent death, which really was his imminent death. That's how he talked about his life. I've run the race. I've fought the fight. God give us grace. Okay? Whilst we have this short time on this planet with this glorious hope that's before us, let's run the race. Let's fight the fight. Let's find that which God's called you to. God's made you for. That when we go to be with him, we will hear that well done, good, faithful servant.